G'day, g'day. Great to have your company. Good to be in your ears. See, I resisted. I resisted using the other term, which I copped a small amount of criticism for. So it's just great to be uh, on your device, downloaded. Hope you subscribed. If you stumbled across this for the first time, how? I mean, how would you find this? Um, If you're a long-time listener, thank you for continuing the the burst through here, the subscriptions. And it's great to have your company. Um, lots of calls to get through, uh, as always, here on um, on the EFTM podcast. We're talking technology, we're talking cars, we're talking lifestyle. Um, but most of the emails I get are tech. You can change that just simply by sending an email about something else, of course. But um, happy to take your calls on those things and have a chat about them uh, each and every week here on the EFTM podcast. All you need to do is go to the website, EFTM.com, and click on Ask Trev. So, yeah, lots of calls to get through. I'm going to try and catch up with someone from Hyundai about their Hyundai green truck, um, which the story is up at EFTM.com. It's fascinating to think... It's not all about electricity here, folks. Uh, EVs are amazing and they are a big part of the future of mobility, but what else is there out there? So we'll talk about that. I want to talk about how you can protect your identity um, or actually check that your identity has not already been compromised, most importantly. Um, And, uh, yeah, just get through as many of these calls as I possibly can here on the EFTM podcast. Find it fascinating. Uh, a little bit of a study I stumbled across on the um, on the internet about the cost of mobile data in every country, and I'll go into this in great detail with Stephen Fennick on Two Blokes Talking Tech. But geez, we're doing okay here. Sixty-eight cents per gigabyte sounds like a lot, and actually, that you could see it that way. Israel, eleven cents. Um, Kazakhstan, forty-six cents. The Ukraine, forty-six cents. Italy, forty-three cents. But let's get some perspective here, folks. United Kingdom pays $1.39. That's double what we pay per gigabyte. New Zealand, $6.06. And the United States, 8 bucks per gigabyte of data on mobile. I think that's a very clear uh, point that we're actually doing okay. We're, we're not being ripped off. And I actually haven't thought that for a while. I think our mobile um, carriers take a lot of effort in, uh, in providing cracking good deals. So um, I found that fascinating. So, yeah, I wonder whether you thought we were higher or lower on the list of uh, countries in terms of the cost of mobile data. Um, I really should get off Twitter, shouldn't I? Let's be honest. It's just a, it's a rage fest. And Phoenix says to this to me a lot. But I, and I don't, actually, here's how I use Twitter now. I have TweetDeck, uh, which I've had for years. Uh, and I keep it open with what people are saying to me. So like an inbox. Uh, and just things that are being said, you know, in, in topics that I'm interested in. So I don't actually, follow, you know, go into Twitter. But now and then people tag me in something, and so I look at it. Um, you know, it's it's basically not something I browse regularly. But isn't it funny how social media can just change your whole bloody mood in a day? And it's probably a great example as a parent of how I need to kind of talk about this with my kids. Because, and we do often when things come up, we kind of try and, try and put some perspective on it for the kids. But, like, I'm going to tell you about a tweet I saw. And if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen this. But a lady called Jenny, AK, I don't know, it's a username, and willfully, she doesn't actually put a, an actual name in, the, uh, in, the, in her Twitter handle, even though she's verified. Um, but I'll give you a tip. Her name, according to Twitter, is putting the pal in Palestine. So I don't know what her name is. But anyway, um, 
The tweet is a photo of the front page of the Daily Telegraph. And the headline on the Daily Telegraph is Mexicans shut out. Outbreak spreads to New South Wales. Victorian border closes today. I look at that and go, that's a good headline. It's a tabloid newspaper. Okay, it's not the ABC. It's a tabloid newspaper. But Jenny's tweet reads, actually really impressed how the Daily Telly has managed to racialize COVID since day one. Went from Asians to Indigenous folk to the Black Lives Matters protests to Muslims having Eid dinners to the South Sudanese for simply existing. And now they've drawn a parallel to Mexican immigrants. Now I'm going to park all the previous stuff because I, I don't look at the Telegraph front page regularly and I don't think they're maliciously trying to be racist, but they're just trying to have some fun now and then. And I'm sure they do target the, the certain communities at the wrong times and things have been, mistakes have been made. But let's just look at this headline. Mexicans shut out. Now, breaking news, in New South Wales, we refer to Victorians as Mexicans because they're south of the border. Now, look, my tweet was, oh my God, take a chill. We, New South Wales, often refer to Victoria as Mexico, south of the border. If that's racism then we all just need to zip it, go into a permanently disconnected lockdown. That means disconnect from the internet and stay in your own home forever. Next thing, we'll hear from Peter about the cane toads and the cockroaches having their annual fight. A couple of good tweets have come back to me. Queenslanders have always called Victorians and New South Welshmen Mexicans because they're south of the border. Rod makes a point, racism claims aside, there's also an argument it's wrong. On factual grounds, New South Wales is often referred to as Mexico by some Queenslanders. I am all for getting it right. Genuinely, I, I, I wish we would get it right. I don't believe in racism, as in I don't think it is a thing we should have. But I know it exists. But I also think that there is... And some people, I think, refer to it as casual racism. It's kind of just like things that we say or do, actions we take that are genuinely offensive to people of colour or people of, of a different um, ethnicity, whatever it might be. There's things we do and say that are casually referred to as racism in that, in that we probably don't mean to be racist, but the things that we've been saying for years holy crap, they're racist and we shouldn't be saying them. But we learn from these things. And it takes, you've got to be pulled up a few times before you, you know, can change your behavior. It's very hard to change your behavior as a 30, 40, 50-year-old. But I've got to be honest, I don't know how anyone's going to convince me that referring to Victorians as Mexicans is racist. And if it is, I just think we've, we've gone too far. I think we need to focus on the real issues. And those issues are, you know, funding for education, making sure that people have equal access to food, water, education, opportunity. Simple as that. And and I, I think that that is what we should be focused on, not a tabloid headline. <sighs> How's your morning been? <laughs> anyway, fun times, fun, fun times. You're listening to the EFTM Podcast. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Got a question that's burning in your mind about something you want to buy? Hit me up. Go to EFTM.com. Click Ask Trev. G'day, Matt. Yeah, g'day, mate. How's it going? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you? Um, yeah, I've been looking at a um, a way that I can have a, a doorbell on my front gate um, that I can actually answer on my phone or my wife can as well from anywhere, but also view and speak to and open the gate remotely. Ah, What sort of gate are we talking? Um, Just Um, a latch gate or a sliding gate? Yeah, a big sliding gate. So um, perimeter fence with a sliding gate. So, yeah. And is there Wi-Fi at that distance at the gate? There is, yes. Yep. So I'm going to tell you about one that I... I just, I, I'm going to say it might be hard to get because you might need to kind of find an online kind of stockist or some strange thing. It's certainly not going to be in a retail store. But I installed a thing called the iSmart Gate um, a couple of weeks ago. Just to get, they've got a gate opener and a garage door opener, right? Yep. <clears throat> and it was so easy to install. It's fantastic. Um, it can link up with Amazon and Google and that, which is fun. So that's good. But they also have a separate product 
which is a camera um, that you can then link them together. So basically, um, and it can be an outdoor camera too, so it can be weatherproof. Um, so then they link together in one app. You open it up, and it shows you a picture of the gate, and there's a little button to open the gate. And you click open, and you see the gate open, and there's sensors on the gate so you know that it's open or shut. It was excellent. Uh, I mean, yeah, it worked really, really well. Um, obviously, it does, like anything, it requires a bit of tinkering because it's you know, got to be installed into the me- mechanism that opens the gate, but, you know, yep. you can work that out. But I got to say, yeah. I, I think it was, I think it was pretty bloody good. So I think your only challenge will be finding how to get it in Australia. They do say that they shop Australia. They have a Pacific link on their website. So, I mean, I haven't used it on a, on a sliding gate, but in fact, the one they gave me is for a sliding gate because I've got one of those old school roller doors and I assume that's be, yeah. that's the way they need it to work or something. But anyway, um, yeah, iSmart Gate is the is is the one. Okay, no worries. And I will um, say, can you speak to them as well, or is it just you can view so, through the? So good point. This this is really about opening and shutting. I think you'd need a separate solution for the conversational part. So, for example, you know, I mean, you could put a ring doorbell out there. Any of the, you know, what I'd do? I'd get a really cheap. A video doorbell. I just get one of the basic ones from like Harvey Norman, the Connect Smart Home, um, yep. so that you've got that simple doorbell connectivity. Because I would argue, how often is I mean, may, maybe it is a very common thing, but open and opening the gate to, to everyone that you know rings the doorbell. I don't know. Maybe maybe you, you do that more frequently than I would. <laughs> <laughs> no, unlikely. But you know, they're kind of two separate things. You get rid of the door knockers in, in one app and then it's a, it's a simple voice command or, or a tick of a box in an app to open the gate. But you're, you're, you're right in that it's not a common solution, right? So you're, you're not, I don't think you're going to find the, the, the be all and end all in one, one way. There is a guy yep. and he's going to kill me cause he's probably listening, but, um, there's a guy in Perth that sells garage door openers. I wonder whether he's got a thing, but I'll look it up, and if I find that, I'll, I'll send it to you. But, yeah, I think you're going to need a bit of a hodgepodge solution, but, you know, you will be able to, you will be able to resolve it, I'm sure. No worries. All right, mate. Good luck. All right. No worries, mate. Thanks for that. And if you've got a question about tech uh, like Matt did, just jump on the website, EFTM.com. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast got a tech question no matter what it is happy to help and uh try and give you the guidance that you need to for your next purchase or whatever it is that's going on in your world of tech um you can just go to the website eftm.com click on ask trev g'day joe g'day trev how are you going yeah real good what can i do for you well we've got a uh, oled tv Ooh, lucky and nice. it's a 55 inch uh, curved tv it's about four years old yep uh, we've just uh, um, installed Disney Plus on our iTunes, and I wanted to try and stream it from the TV, but it doesn't seem to allow us. And the research I've done says that it doesn't work on Netcast, but I don't understand all of that, so I thought I'd ask you. All right. Well, so Netcast, is that like an app on your TV? No idea. So no what idea. brand TV is it? It's a it's a um, LG 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 OLED. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's kind of just before they had uh, their their quite popular operating system they have now, which has a lot of these apps built into it. So basically, what you've got is a stunningly beautiful television screen that is now, shall we say, getting dumber. Okay, so <laughs> it is a smart TV, but it's not learning anymore. So anything new that comes out is not going to be available on that TV. But that's no reason to replace the TV because it's it's beautiful. Like, I'm assuming you love the picture on the other. Oh, yeah. Really, you've you got a couple of options. One of them is um, to buy a, an Apple TV box. And now, it sounds like you've got Apple devices in your home. Do you have iPads, mm-hmm. iPhones? Yes, we do. So I think that would be the best investment, firstly because it's also simple to use and, and reasonably easy to learn. So it's not going to be a headache for you to set up or anything like that because the other option is what we call a Chromecast. Now, Chromecast is very cheap. We're talking under $100. Uh, okay. And it plugs into your TV. You put it onto your Wi-Fi network. And then from your phone, so you use your phone or your iPad to start the stream, whatever show you're going to watch, then you press a button and it appears up on your big screen TV. The Apple TV is slightly different and I think better in this situation because it's got its own remote control. It's a box with its own remote control. 
Um, and it's got all the apps built into it. So you can download the Disney app. You can download Netflix and Stan and anything you need all onto Apple TV. Um, you'll pay hundred sorry, you pay $209 for an Apple TV at JB Hi-Fi, but I think you'll find really good investment, especially if you live in the Apple ecosystem. Any movies you own, um, you can rent movies, you can stream all the shows. There's a lot of good reasons to use your Apple TV. And it basically brings the it, it gives your your dumb tv or, or smart ish tv <laughs> smart it, dumb tv it gives it a university <laughs> degree all right and makes it okay. a exceptionally smart tv the apple tv becomes the brains of the things you want to watch and that beautiful tv becomes simply a screen for your apple tv which i think you'll find is going to be a very nice outcome for you Oh, that sounds good. So yes, I hadn't even didn't you, know anything about the Apple TV. If you can afford the two hundred nine for an Apple TV, it'll be a worthy investment that'll that'll pay itself back in entertainment for many years to come. Okay, well, it looks like it'd be a cheaper alternative than getting a new TV. I'm really sorry if there's someone else in the house that really wanted a new TV. I may have just nixed <laughs> that, uh, but, but you've got an OLED. That's better than I've got. So enjoy. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, All right. Trip. Good on you, Joe. Good luck, and okay. uh, thanks for getting in touch. No worries. Thanks. Bye. And if you've got a question like Joe, just get in touch. Go to the website, eftm.com. Thank you for listening. Travel along with you on the EFTM podcast. you got a question, go to the website, eftm.com. G'day, Grace. Hi. How are you? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you? Um, I'm looking for a printer. You mentioned it on the Today Show that um, yielded something like two years of ink mm. uh, or a have, toner or something. Yeah. Have you got a printer at the moment? I do have a printer at the moment, but I keep buying the little cartridges and I have so many problems with it. Yeah. In putting in the cartridges and it's not picking it up or I go through so many cartridges. What sort of money are you spending per cartridge? Well, it could be up to, you know, $26 per cartridge. And then sometimes when you've got five yeah, or four, you've got your black, All your yellow, colors, yeah. your blue, yeah, the four yeah. colours. Um, yeah, it seems to be, you know, getting a bit expensive. And, and look, it's this the solution to this is not cheap. But but the critical thing here is and I, I can remember when this product first launched. I, I still remember it to this day, and I don't remember a lot of things from years ago. But <laughs> it was described to me like razor blades. Um, now yeah. you can you can buy a disposable pack of disposable razor blades at the at Woolies. Uh, you get fifteen yep. of the things, and it's you know it's probably a buck per blade, right? Or yep. you can you can spend a bit more on a on a nice razor that has replaceable blades, and you know that's pretty good. But you still got to replace the blades regularly. Or you can buy an electric razor, which is much more expensive, but will essentially not cost you anything for years. That's exactly right. the same as these new. Um, EcoTank or endurance printers that we have from companies like Epson and Canon. So Epson call it EcoTank, Canon call it endurance. The difference Mm -hmm. is simple. You buy the printer and it's, it's going to be the, you know, a printer can be 50 bucks, but this printer is going to be 300, maybe 400, depending on whether you want it to print scan and all those other different things. But once you own it in, in the side of it or, or just inside it, is no, there's no cartridge that you replace. Instead, when the ink goes low, there's a, there's just a little tank that you just pour ink into, and the bottles of ink might cost twenty dollars. But I ref, I've had an Epson Eco Tank for five years, and we've refilled right. it twice. Okay, because I do a lot of printing. And look, the, the, obviously that duration depends on how much you print, but. There is absolutely no doubt that the economics of an EcoTank printer are that over the life of your printing, it will be much cheaper. So right. you, you, you but may, what are you the may, performances? May, oh, no. There's, well, no, there's I mean, no difference in performance. They, they are high-quality printers, just like the cartridge printers you have today. If you're only yep. doing black and white, there are black and white EcoTank printers, but there's, there's full-color ones, there's photography ones. You're not going to have any issue with the printer itself. It's just simply a matter of essentially in your mind going, yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with spending $300 on a printer mm-hmm. because I know that it's going to be many, many months. And I say that because maybe you're printing way more than I could imagine. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're replacing your printer cartridges now every month, then let's call it every eight months with the Eco Tank. But I'm right. trust me, 
I think it'll be a year before you revisit a store. Okay, well, that sounds good. So, <clears throat> I think check. about all the cartridges that I go through. And, and there's, the an environmental, that I there's an environmental yeah, well, that's thing right. there too, right? Um, that's correct. It's it's staggering to me, and I uh, an industry source once told me that actually one of the biggest problems with those super cheap printers you find around the place is some stores have like a no questions asked refund policy. People buy the bloody things and then just take them back because the ink's out, and <laughs> and so they're they're essentially becoming landfill. It's just Land, yeah, you know, it's it's quite amazing. Um, JB mm-hmm. J, JB Hi-Fi, uh, Office Works. There's a there's a bunch of places that uh, that stock the Eco Tank. Uh, printers, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there's there's one at JB Hi-Fi, which is a scanner as well. It looks like for three hundred ninety-eight dollars. Um, okay, you know, looks like a really nice unit. And mm-hmm. when you see it, you'll see on the front of these little little guides that you can. It's like a fuel tank. You can see the ink inside them, and uh, okay, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be blown away by how long it lasts. In fact, yeah. I, I'd love to hear from you regularly, but tr- I'd love to hear from you when you need to replace that ink. And I reckon you'll be smiling like a Cheshire cat. <laughs> okay, it's wonderful. Well, thanks right. for that. Good so luck, Epson and um, Epson Eco Tank Canon Endurance. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Good on you. No problems thanks, at all. Trevor. And if you've got a question like Grace did, just go to the website eftm.com. <laughs> Tell me you don't whistle along to that one. I do. I want to tell you about, uh, oh, my phone's not here. I don't know where it is. It's over there somewhere. Um, Trend, I was going to open the app while I talked about it. Trend Micro ID Security. Now, Trend have been longtime supporters of EFTM, uh, full disclosure, but I actually don't know of another product like this, except for a website called Have I Been Pawned? Have I Been PWNED.com.au. Now, it's run. that's run by a guy called Troy Hunt. He's a security genius. I think he's an Aussie. Uh, and he does have a kind of Patreon thing set up. Uh, I think I pay, you know, five or ten bucks a month to him to to keep access to Have I Been Pawned. Now, with the greatest respect to Troy, I'm moving my money. I'm going to Trend Micro. Now, Trend Micro are doing a similar thing, but I think Have I Been Pawned is very nerdy. Um, but basically, with Have I Been Pawned, you type in your email address and it tells you whether that email address has been part of a breach of any sort. And it's it's fascinating to think, oh, hang on a minute, wow, that's a worry, isn't it? You know, um, someone's got my email address. And with that, they might have other things. So Trend Micro have made this a very simple to use app. It's called ID Security. You download it and for free, you can do a search of your email address, your credit card number or your password. And you can find out whether those things are being circulated on the dark web. The dark web is a place on the internet that is not easy to access. You can't get there via Google. You need a different browser. You need encryption. There's a whole bunch of things you need. And it's not a place for me or my kids or any of you. It's an underworld place. Now, what happens is um, website A has 10,000 customers. Great people. They love their business. Website A gets hacked. The hacker takes all the data email addresses, names, probably passwords, maybe dates of birth, and they put it in a database. And they say on the dark web, I've got some hot numbers here. I've got 10,000 verified accounts, whatever. And they try and sell it. And they might make a dollar or $5 per item. So that's how they make their money. They trade our data. And the people that buy that create bigger databases, cross-reference, do a whole range of things to, to build their own identity database that essentially allows them to either defraud us or scam us. Now, what Trend Micro does is they are constantly looking at all of these databases, sites, the dark web, and seeing what's being traded. And they're looking at those databases. And so when you search for your email address, it comes up saying you've been part of a breach, and it tells you the websites. So you can say, well, I don't care. They don't have any info on me. Or, geez, I better change my password on that website. You know, this happened to big sites. Uh, LinkedIn had a, had a breach, and I got an email saying you should change your password. Okay, I did. I don't think I was breached. I don't think I got my info, but I'm changing my password. But then with Trend Micro ID Security, you can also search for your credit card number. Is my credit card number being traded on the internet? I want to know. And if it is, I'm going to change it. I'm going to ring my bank and say I want to change my credit card number. But the cruel one is your password. Type in your password. It's encrypted by Trend Micro and then searched for. And if your password is out there, 
whether it's because you've been compromised or someone else is using that same password, then that password becomes one of the probably hundreds of thousands or millions that get used as a part of potential breaches. So they try and hack places by using your password. And if they stumble across you, then they'll get in. Now, if you pay $4.99 a month, the app will remind you or alert you to any incidents going forward. So you don't have to manually search. Plus, you can search for tax file number, passport number, driver's license number, even bank account details. So it's basically a way of checking if you have been compromised, if your data has been compromised. You can have the most strict and tight security on your computer, on your phone, on your home network, as we all should with companies like Trend Micro. But if website A is a company you've dealt with, you can't control their security. So if they've been breached, Trend Micro ID security will help you find out. Really, really cool. I love it as a, as a concept, let alone the execution. It's been done really, really well. It's free to download. And I reckon for $4.99 a month, a very good investment in your um, personal identity protection. Trevor along with you, if you've got a question about tech or cars or anything in the heck you're going on in your world, give us a call. Reach out via the website eftm.com. G'day, Gria. Oh, good day. How are you? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you? Well, I'm hoping you might be able to help me. We're looking at upgrading our television and putting it at, it's currently on a stand. We want to put it on, fix it to the wall mm-hmm. and wanting to know, I guess, the best size TV um, to get. We're in a townhouse. Yep. The wall's about three metres 30 in length understanding that we need to have at least a metre 50 from the couch, what would your thoughts be about well, what do you think? TV would be the best? How far away is the couch from that wall? The couch is probably, or oh, maybe, so we're, it's not a huge room, so yep. maybe three or four metres. That's pretty big. That's a big distance. I mean, basically, if you were standing... Let's just visualize this. If you're standing in in front of the or next to the wall with your arm reached out between the wall and the couch, it's it's way more than one arm's um, wingspan. Yeah, it's probably yes. two people. Oh, hang on. Let me just. Sorry. Oh, I just let want to visualize just... this now. <laughs> yeah. Sure. No. No. <laughs> not a problem at all. <laughs> so I'm standing at the wall. Actually, it's probably it's probably with my hand stretched out. Mm-hmm. It's one. Sorry, actually, probably two. Two wingspans? Yes. Jeez. You know what? I don't have really a problem with whatever size TV you're going to buy at that distance because you're talking there two, three, you're probably talking four metres easily, right, Uh, in terms of distance. Basically, my biggest concern is people with really small rooms buy these massive TVs and you end up looking around at them. And you, you have to yes, move your okay. neck to watch TV. That's just weird. So basically, right. you've, got a, you've got a wall big enough. You've got a room big yes. enough. I probably wouldn't yes. go 85 inches. That's going to really set you back in terms of your, your viewing. But there's mm-hmm. no reason. What sort of TV you got now? What size do you reckon? Um, I think it's at, is it four was it forty two? Oh inches? goodness! Right, okay. And you're gonna you're gonna upgrade. Do you, do the we bigger... are gonna upgrade. We've had it for over ten years. Beautiful. What? And is it dead or is it working beautifully? And you just want to go bigger? Um, it's actually it's probably maybe just a, it's maybe a little bit on the blink. Yeah, right. So well, we're going to have to upgrade it, good, and good. we just want to know. Do you have a budget in mind? What's the most you'd spend on a TV? You reckon? Oh, maybe 1500 Okay. I think that's a really nice – in fact, the segment I did on the Today Show, I said to them, listen, I just can't stop getting emails from people with about yes. 1500 two grand to spend. It really legitimately is – because often in, in the media, we get this sense that no one has any money to spend, and so they only want to yes. see 500 and $600 TVs. But in reality, right. you're willing to spend um, – that's a good amount of money in my book. You should be able to yes. get a 65-inch TV – very happily within that size, mm-hmm. within that price range. And um, you you absolutely can choose from the biggest brands too. So both LG right. and Samsung have brand yeah. new 2020 model. And I, I don't want you to get anything that's not a 2020 model because mm-hmm. you've had good longevity with your current TV, yeah. which means you're either looking after it or, or whatever it might be. So 
I want you to get the same from your next TV. So yes. why go a year old when you can get brand new? So a yes. 2020 model Samsung or LG will cost you fourteen ninety five, bang on budget. Yeah. Um, yep. you, you'll spend a little bit less for uh, for a mm-hmm. Sony. Do you do you watch anything other than free to air TV? You got Netflix, you got Stan, you got any of those things? Yeah, we've got Netflix and Stan, but the current TV we have isn't a, I don't know what the word is. We, we can't, it's not a smart TV. Well, it was all, just pre All these are going to be smart, okay? So you're going to, yes. this is going to be like traveling into the future for you, right? It's going right. to be awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, personally, the, um, the LG and the Samsung um, mm-hmm. that are $14.95, at JB Hi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I'm just on the JB Hi-Fi website. You can get them at probably Harvey's, the same price. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you should do a little bit of research online before you walk into the store so that, you know, you're not kind of fandangled by the conversation with the salespeople. You walk in and go, right, I want the Samsung TU8000. Um, right. And, and I know I can get it at the same price at Harvey Norman, so what are you doing for me? You know what I mean? Right. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Now, um, uh, have you got? Uh, is there someone else that's going to put it up for you? Who's? Uh, who do you think is going to do oh, we'll, that? We'll probably get some. We've, we've, we've yeah. got to have um, the aerial and everything fixed. So right. we will be paying for someone to put it up. A wise <laughs> move. Not, a wise move. We will not be doing it ourselves. Right. Well, can I recommend uh, a company mm-hmm. called Universal Home Theatre? Um, I I've no, have no commercial relationship with them, but I've used them twice, no, three times now. Um, in in our once in our twice in our house, and once I, I donated a TV to the Rural Fire Brigade at the end of December, and they put it up in the in their headquarters. You know, not their headquarters, just a little local one. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Universal Home Theatre, lovely people. Um, they all right, thank you. Come to your house. They do all the work. They vacuum up after themselves. Just really good service, and it, they they charge you one price for the mount. And the time installation. So buy a TV and, and look, the TV company or the, the retailers will probably try and upsell you all of those things. But given mm-hmm. that you've, you know that you need to get it done, just, just just buy the TV from them, walk out, and then ring Universal Home Theatre or someone yes. like that and, and get them all to right. do, do the install. Um, remember with a 65-inch TV, it's a big box. So you're going to yes. need either a big car or you're going to need delivery. Right, okay. We'll probably go delivery. Yeah. We generally do. <laughs> happy shopping, fifteen hundred bucks, and uh, and as I said, remember the salespeople want your business, so don't yes. don't let don't be a pushover, but also right. um, you know be a little bit pushy with them. You, you're the one with cash right. in hand, all right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, Trevor. Enjoy, good luck, and enjoy your new TV. Thank you I, so much. I want to hear from you after you've got that new TV because I reckon you are going to be blown away. All right. Well, we'll let you know. And thank you very much for your call and advice. No worries at all. Um, anytime, anytime at all. Thank you, Greer. And if you've got a question like Greer does, anything uh, happening in your world, just give us a call. Uh, go to the website, EFTM.com. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Got a question about tech? Uh, get in touch. Go to the website, EFTM.com. G'day, Ron. Hi there. What can I do for you, mate? What's happening? Um, just... Um, I thought I saw in one of your segments, there's Kogan who got a deal at the moment on a 43-inch colour TV with all, it looks like it's got all the sort of bibs and bobs. And I thought I saw in the Today Show you actually gave Kogan a reasonable rap. I yeah. sort of um, just wanted to see whether you, that was the case. Look, <laughs> I mate, sort of had Sony's up until now, but I just thought it's just for a beach house. And I just thought. Well, you, you know what, you've answered my first question because it really, and Ruslan Kogan, I, I, I consider him a friend. I... He hates me saying it, but it's not my. Pri- I wouldn't buy it as my lounge room TV, my primary TV. Yeah. If I had a beach house, mate, yep. I, I'd have Kogan's in every room. Because, yeah. Okay. Look, it, it's not your home theater experience. But no. when you, I always say to people, when you go home and you got you're looking at your TV, you're only looking at one. You're not looking at yeah. two. You're not going to sit a yeah. Sony and a Kogan side by side. Yeah. The no. only time. No, that's right. You genuinely notice the difference between one TV and the next if you aren't sitting them side by side is you'll yeah. know your mate has an OLED because that's beautiful. Yeah. There's a difference to the picture quality there. But if yeah. you were to buy a Kogan, now they do have some high-end um, pictures uh, like a QLED they have. That's a better yeah. picture than any Kogan I've seen before. Um, yeah. I think they've got a $999 QLED, but that's a 55-inch. You're looking yeah. for something a bit smaller? 
Yeah, I think the, the one I was looking at was a 43. I think it's about, they've got a deal at the moment, I think it's 499 or something like that, I think, thereabouts. Oh. Um, uh, do you know, and I'll, I'll have a look, I'm, I'm on the website right now, I'm just wondering whether or not it's um, it's an Android TV. Um because that, to me, is the is the big kicker. They they have some really simple TVs. They yeah. have some smart TVs, but they also have Android TV. So, did you say four nine nine? Four ninety nine. I think four ninety nine ninety nine and free delivery. I think was yeah. the. So I'm looking at it here. Um, Forty three inch smart four K Android TV four ninety nine. That's a cracker. Yeah. Because yeah. Android TV means you can download apps. So you can put Disney Plus, you can put yeah, Amazon fantastic. Prime, Stan, yep. Netflix. So when you're at the beach house, you've got everything to watch, assuming you've got internet yeah. there as well. No, that's that's great. No, I really appreciate you taking the time to call. It's like an upstairs yeah. room. We've got a bit of a, a bunk room. We've got kids that are growing up and that sort of thing. So it's it's I only really used it. if I have to sneak up there and watch the footy when the wife's <laughs> downstairs or something like that. Well, so. mate, download KO Sports. Get a KO Sports subscription. You can watch all the sport on that Android TV, mate. I think you'll love it. 500 bucks. Good deal at Kogan. Good luck, mate. I appreciate your call, mate. No worries. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ron. If you've got a question like Ron, a lot of TV questions. And I should say... Um, a lot of TV questions because we did a segment on the Today Show this week about TV buying advice. And um, I don't think it surprises many. Um, my pure podcast listeners would uh, would appreciate, you know, we get a lot of emails about different things. But a lot of the emails I get are just after I was on the Today Show, people want a follow-up question or, um, you know, saw a printer, saw a TV, whatever it is. Um, and so it's a bit of clarity on those things. Same thing happens with a lot of a lot of my callers here for the podcast are from Perth because my half-hour segment on 6PR in Perth is taking calls. And if you don't get through, you jump on the internet and, and you email me. So, yeah, that's that's why there's probably a few more TV questions than normal. Uh, but if you've got a question, it doesn't matter what it's about. Uh, just go to EFTM.com. Got a question about tech? Jump on the website, eftm.com, and uh, send me an email. G'day, Greg. Oh, hi, Trevor. How are you going? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you? Yeah, just want to um, ask about um, my Wi-Fi uh, home. It's like when I walk outside to a backyard or into the um, garage, um, it's very weak, and the signal, I mean, probably doesn't go through walls to, um, I mean, probably... You think you think you're losing a lot with the uh, with the walls and stuff, and and basically yeah. you, want, you want Wi-Fi in the backyard, mate. Oh no, there's stronger signal signal if I'm in the back back of a garage, or is there a something I can buy to put in a garage or make a stronger signal? What have you got now? What's what is your Wi-Fi setup? Well, it, it's not um, NBN yet. I mean, sooner be NBN. It's just um, Optus cable, and it's just their modem. Yes. So, and how far off is the NBN, you reckon? Oh, we got a letter last week saying we got to, we got to do it by September. Oh, mate, switch over. There's no reason not to. It's, it's, yeah. ex- it's excellent. But here's the thing what you can do. What you can do is right now you can upgrade to uh, what I would recommend is a Wi-Fi, what we call a mesh network. Now, it's going to cost you money, um, so yeah. you'll spend between $360 and $600. Um, okay. And what it is, is for, for Netgear Orbi anyway, there's a bunch of different brands out there. And if you go to JB Hi-Fi website and, and look at routers, Wi-Fi networks, there's a whole category on what we call mesh. And what these are is, uh, so with a Netgear Orbi, one, the first box plugs into your modem, the one you've got now. The second yes. box you put halfway through the house and it talks using its own private channel to the first box and they provide a dome of Wi-Fi. And, mate, trust me, that'll get into the backyard. Um, okay. It's very good quality, high speed at every corner of the house, and it's basically making you NBN ready. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you need to do. You need to upgrade your Wi-Fi network, and the good thing is you can do this now, and then when the NBN uh, modem comes, you just unplug it from your existing mode and you plug it into that one, and nothing changes for all your devices. So, oh, all right. yeah, my recommendation is to upgrade your Wi-Fi network itself um, using a mesh system like Netgear, Orbi, Google Wi-Fi, D-Link Cover. These are all the brands you can find. And you'll be blown away with the quality you get, the speed you get, and the range that you get across your home. So I look at JP Hi-Fi and it's um, Wire Network. And what's the name of it? Mesh. mesh. You want to look You want to look up Mesh. If you type Mesh 
uh, in JB Hi-Fi. And then under yeah. Categories, just choose Mesh Router. You'll find Google, Netgear, D-Link, they're all there. Don't buy on price, though, mate, because there's always, oh. there's always a catch, right? The cheapest one is also probably not going to be the fastest or the highest range. Okay. Um, so try and go mid-range if you can. But, you know, 369 upwards is going to be the price point. And how do you spell it? M-E-S-S? Just M-E-S-H. M-E-S-H. M-E-S. Oh, okay then. Yep. All right then. I'll, All right. I'll, yeah, yeah. So I'll just plug into a normal one in the house, unplug that one and just plug this in. You don't, you don't need just, to unplug anything. You just no. plug, you plug the, the new system. One of them plugs into your existing modem. Oh, And the, and the okay other then. one just plugs into a PowerPoint. And it's all oh, set okay. up. It's all set up via an app too. So yeah. All right then. Okay then. Good stuff. I'll, I'll have a look, Trevor. All right, mate. Good luck. All right. Thank you for thank you for calling in back. No worries, mate. And uh, if you've got a question like Greg, uh, just reach out. Go to the website eftm.com. Eftm. This is the Eftm podcast. Eftm podcast. Now, you know I love technology, you know I love cars, and you know I love looking at the future, and it all comes together whenever we talk about the future of mobility, the future of transport, and often that conversation is very much um, headed towards EVs, electric vehicles. But it's it's not the only thing. It's a very big part of the future, but it's not the only thing. And there was an announcement this week which I thought was fascinating, and actually the reaction to it um, on the site and on the radio when I've talked about it has, has been quite overwhelming. Um, a green emissions-free truck, um, and it's from Hyundai. So to talk about mobility and the future of mobility, Senior Manager of Future Mobility and Government Relations at Hyundai here in Australia, Scott Naga. G'day, Scott. How are you, mate? Very good. How are you? Mate, really well. Let's talk about this truck. I mean, this is, this is an epic uh, announcement, really, from Hyundai because you, are, you have built and are building trucks. You're going to have 50 trucks in Switzerland on the road in commercial use that are zero emission this year. That's correct. Yeah, that's the first 50 trucks. Um, and that project's a total of 1,600 trucks between now and 2025. So they're completely zero emission trucks powered by renewable energy. So you can't get much better than that when it comes to heavy haulage. What? Let's talk about this. These are not EVs, and we'll talk about EVs in a bit, but these are fuel cell vehicles. Now, for the uninitiated, we're talking hydrogen. So how big a deal is a hydrogen fuel cell uh, powered vehicle in terms of the future of mobility? Yeah, it's just critical to the future of mobility. We look at the the lineup between what's going to be um, in light vehicles in the future and what's going to be in heavy vehicles. Uh, and from a Hyundai perspective, we've got EVs in the market now. We've got the Nexo fuel cell vehicle coming to Australia in the coming months. The first 20 have landed here and they're on their way down to Canberra once that station's finished. A few delays because of our friend COVID, but we'll, we'll get past that. Um and really, trucks and buses, Hyundai already has fuel cell buses operating in Korea. They've got a contract which is about to replace every bus in Korea with a fuel cell bus. There's bus deployments around the world, but the next big one is trucks. How do we replace those line-haul trucks that are doing those big distances? And the problem with EV trucks is you need seven and a half to eight tonne of batteries to get that truck from destination A to B. So that's yeah. eight tonnes of load carrying capacity you can't charge for. Well, that's right. And the, the point here is load creates wear. Um, that load uh, takes away efficiency in terms of a, a, a truck. When it's pulling a load, it wants its power going to pull on the load that they're charging for, not the load that is powering the truck, right? Yeah, exactly. And remembering hydrogen's 14 times lighter than air. So when it escapes, it rises 80 kilometres an hour. So having hydrogen on board, whether it's 50 kilos or 60, whatever it might be, you know, the, the potential of the truck's lighter than what it is when it's empty of hydrogen. So uh, it's one of those strange things. Um, the, the more hydrogen you got there, I suppose, that potentially lighter that the, the hydrogen truck is. But the big thing here is that the drivetrains that are used in our trucks uh, and in trucks for other manufacturers, it's basically what we've got in the car, and it's just like stacking Lego blocks. The current um, fuel cell stack in a car makes 90 to 95 kilowatts of energy. If you need three times that, you just stick three of the, the fuel cell stacks together, and they're just connected by wires. Unlike an internal combustion engine, you haven't got a, a big um, a big diesel or petrol engine. You haven't got a big gearbox going to the final drive. You've basically got your fuel cell stacks, which are boxes with no moving parts inside them, connected to um, wiring and, and distribution boxes and um, control modules that then transform energy um, in the ways needed to the to the final drive through an electric motor. I do feel there's a chicken and egg conversation, though, about hydrogen fuel cell because 
with electricity, we we still have this problem where we're we're growing the network, and we'll talk about EVs. But what's the what's the plan for d- delivering hydrogen to to refuel these these vehicles? Because obviously, you know, it's a more traditional filling station style approach, but it it still needs to be rolled out for it to be a, a working model for the future. Yeah, it can can be a traditional filling station model or a standalone model. So a company that Hyundai helped. Um, create uh, a number of years ago now, probably seven or eight years ago, um, was Hydrogen Mobility Australia. Um, I was the co-founder of that company. I'm still a, a director on the board of that company. And we've got a great range of members now. So look at our membership this year, and, and the company's changed its name to the Australian Hydrogen Association because it's not just mobility we're looking at. It's, it's making hydrogen from yeah. renewable energy, especially excess renewable energy, transporting around Australia to use in transport networks or feedstocks for industrial applications like making steel and glass and foods, which we already do. We, we make a lot of grey hydrogen now from, from dirtier sources, but we want to try and do it as green as possible. Uh, and then it's using it in our transport networks, in our vehicles, in our cars, trucks, trains, trams, ferries. There's examples of that technology right around the world now. Uh, so it's just getting that technology here on the ground in Australia. And then it's opportunity of exporting our hydrogen. So companies buy a lot of our energy now, whether it be in the form of coal or, or um, natural gas or other ways. Those same countries now countries now are asking for it in greener forms and, and working with the guys in Australia here in Australia and in Korea and, and working with the Korean government to try and look at offtakes for our green energy here. So we're working hard to make sure we've got one, a, a good supply of green hydrogen. We can transport around Australia, use our networks, and then once we've got all that right, I think we need to look at those trend, uh, those export opportunities. But you are right, a hydrogen station doesn't need to be a traditional gas station as it is today. Stations I use um, in North America and also in Europe when I'm over there doing doing work or, or taking journalists for, for drives across those countries in, in the technology, um, I can use oil company stations. And, and most of the, the stations I use are actually Shell branded. They're doing a great job in Europe running out stations. I also use gas company stations, so companies that are traditional gas suppliers like Air Liquide mm-hmm. and BOC Lindy. And I also use technology stations, so stations that use renewable energy who aren't linked to a gas or an oil company who are making it through electrolysis of water. So they're working in competition with big oil and big gas. The benefit for consumers in the future, and we're seeing that in Europe right now, is the more stations that go in from various um, industries, whether it be the oil industry competing with each other, now competing with big gas and technology, the better the price is going to be for consumers. So the more stations from a diverse range of suppliers, uh, it's going to drive the price down, which is what we want. We want competition. We want to get that price right down. Angus Taylor, the um, energy minister here in Australia, has come up with a catchphrase, H2 under 2, so $2 per kilo of hydrogen, which is a great stretch target to try and um, get the industry to work towards. At the moment in Europe, I've never really paid any more than 990, this is in euros, 990 a kilo of hydrogen. So if we can get it down to $2 a kilo in Australia for a, a wholesale price and the retail somewhere around five to six dollars a kilo that's going to be quite amazing our car only takes um six kilos of hydrogen so that's that's a great cost savings when it comes to powering a a vehicle and as you say it's a future export market for us as well um you know the idea of future mobility for a lot of people unfortunately is just you know they just think of electric car a, a single brand of electric car but it is it's changed dramatically just in the last i feel like 18 months has been the big surge and you know the hyundai ionic is probably the the the, the poster child for that because it's a vehicle that you can get in multiple forms that suit your own need and it's a way of kind of demonstrating from Hyundai's point of view that you're ready to evolve uh, to, depending on what people want, isn't it? It is, and it's a vehicle with a platform that you said was flexible. So if people weren't quite ready to make the, the transition straight to an EV, they could choose a plug-in hybrid model so they can get their 70k worth of range out of the battery then move back to the traditional hybrid with a petrol engine um, running it, or they can get a, a hybrid, uh, which is similar to what you've got with your Camry and your Prius and yeah. other things that Toyota have got at the moment, but it gave consumers choice. They can choose the one-body style, choose their colour, choose the trim grade, the interior, and then choose their drivetrain. So instead of traditionally choosing a petrol or a diesel, now they can choose between a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and an EV. What we're seeing in the future, um, not the future, in the now, uh, really, is what we've done with our next EV, which is the Kona. We have that vehicle in Australia mm. in a petrol front-wheel drive and a turbo petrol all-wheel drive that's also available now in a full EV. And we are going to see future platforms from Hyundai that are dedicated EV, like our hydrogen fuel cell vehicle, um, our previous generation was based off the iX35 uh, vehicle. It had petrol and diesel and fuel cell. 
the current Nexo is just a standalone platform. It'll only ever have a hydrogen fuel cell drivetrain in it. And we'll see future um, platforms from Hyundai that'll be standalone EV that won't be available in a, a petrol or diesel or anything else or It'll just be a standalone eco platform. I would assume Hyundai is almost a market leader in in EV uh, technology, given the Ionic and the Kona uh, at their price point. When you know you can compare it to the other brands, um, are mainly big dollar value ones. You, you would be doing very well in that space, would you not? Yeah, it's, it's going well. It's, Australia has been a, a bit of a laggard. We're we are about ten to fifteen years behind the rest of the world when it comes to the introduction of this technology. It's it's been a challenge, but I think now the work that's been done by the Electric Vehicle Council and by the federal government um, investing big um, big investments uh, through the Clean Energy Finance Corp and the Australian Renewable Energy Agency into charging networks like the Charge Fox network, um, yeah. which is right around Australia now, and into another network called EV. I think having competitions are great. Uh, it's great that they've diversified their investments across two different um, portfolios, yeah. uh, but it's great to have the money in because we know that 90% of the charging is done at home uh, and people are happy to charge up in their garage at night because, you, you know, unlike a petrol station, you can't go to your, your fuel station and get half-price fuel in the middle of the night. If you're charging up at home and you've got off-peak, you're getting half-price fuel um, during the evening when the power's not needed and the network's having... DC rapid charging networks around Australia really help with that decision-making of customers. You know, we said 90% um, do charging at home, but 90% of the barrier to purchase of an EV is knowing there's no public charging infrastructure. Yeah, yep. It's knowing that I can't get to that destination, you know, to the grandmother's house or to the sporting event or whatever it might be that's normal or, or different to your, your weekly run. Yeah. Look, it's it's the only I would argue the the biggest challenge right now is simply price. Um, you know, I think we're at a point where people understand it more and more and more. But that gap, and I always talk about this as the and I should name it or something. But the gap between the the petrol version of what you're buying and the electric is still you know fifteen grand, and and that's a lot of money as a premium to pay. And I think it's really only going to take more cars, I guess, more demand for that to to to, to narrow, isn't it? It's really we need people buying EVs for the EV price to to come closer to the to the petrol, and also people need to understand that price is a premium that is actually a saving long term because you're not paying for petrol over the life of the car. Oh, and, and servicing costs are reduced as well. I mean, we're not replacing oil and filters, and one of the most expensive parts of servicing a vehicle, uh, any modern vehicle, whether it be petrol or diesel, is the cost of a liter of oil uh, in the oil filter, and then the labour that goes with it. With electric vehicles, there are, are no oils and filters, so there's no no big replacements there. It's basically at the car end, complete a safety check each year, make sure um, the vehicle's running safely and everything's working as it should be, and then get it back out on the road. It's, it's quite an easy service. We've got cap price servicing where it's I think it's $165 once a year for servicing, and that's it. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else really you need. It's remarkable. Well, I, I must get my, my bum back in a Ionic, and um, the new one has a better range, so I won't break down this time, and um, it, I won't go in the freezing cold as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll ensure that my next experience with an electric vehicle is not one that ends in a tow truck on the side of the road on the way to Bathurst. No, Jeff, and then the, the, uh, look at your, your drive through Bathurst and other areas. The um, NRMA has got a network of 41 EV charging stations throughout New South Wales. It's free to members at the moment. So uh, I know coming back from Broken Hill over the weekend, um, getting to see a lot of the infrastructures going in and even remote locations in Australia. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, it's it? pretty impressive. So, I mean, I, I, I welcome the challenge. If you, if you want to do a challenge with us, we can go on an eco run somewhere, whether it's up, up to the coast of New South Wales into Queensland. Um, let's, let's set a challenge and see if you can get the best, the best range. And with the charging going in, you, know, you can choose to charge more often for a shorter time or you can choose to extend your charge out and, um, and have a longer journey. But... Um, it's exciting. Driving the technology is exciting. And my background was judging cars for Australia's Best Car Awards with NRMA and, and crash testing cars and, and riding about cars. <laughs> you can't beat this technology. What's yeah. coming now, what I'm seeing from Hyundai and other brands um, is amazing. And knowing what Hyundai's coming in the next five to 20 years, uh, it's a great company to be working for. And I look forward to the, um, the products we're going to land in the coming years. Well, congratulations on what you're doing at Hyundai. I, um, I, do, I do think you are... Um, a th- people call it a thought leader. You know, you're, you're essentially driving the industry in Australia in many ways, um, both with with consumers and with government, because that's critical. And uh, while the trucks are, are in Switzerland, I'm sure it won't be long before we see that kind of technology here at the commercial level, as we are in the consumer level with cars. So, Scott, thanks for your time. No problems. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
Trevor along with you. If you've got a question about technology, just go to the website, eftm.com, which is what Sue did. G'day, Sue. G'day, Trevor. What can I do for you? We're looking at buying a 65-inch um, TV. Yeah. I actually want a 75, but my husband says it won't fit in the room. What? Um, Have you got a <laughs> tape measure out? Oh, yes. Oh. I, he said the same when we bought a 50 and he wanted a 30. <laughs> What's going on with him? Do you need He's me, old school. Do you need He's me to call school. him? Do I need to speak to him? What's his yeah, name? Yeah, you probably need John. John, 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 John. What's happening, my man? Does he watch sport at all? or what's All he into? the time. How could he not want a 75-inch TV? Because he says the room's too small. It's not. I mean, I haven't been around. And there's not much difference in price or size, is there? Well, Only 10 it, centimetres. To be honest, 10 inches. The, it, it gets more dramatic the bigger you go. So the difference between a, a 42 and a 55 and yep. is is actually more than a fifty five to a sixty five or a sixty five to a seventy five, but to your eye, it's remarkably bigger because it's not that that angle that measurement is just the angle across the from bottom to top um, on an right. angle. You got to remember right. you're, you're buying all that extra real estate all around the TV. So actually, yeah. a seventy five inch TV is phenomenally bigger than a sixty five, yeah. um, more so even than you going from a fifty to a sixty five. So. You know, I I would challenge John only because you, you're going to want it sooner or later. You better just triple check, yeah. you know. So I yeah. would. Uh, we're we're a, in an apartment. That's why he's saying it's too small. And and we're old. We're old. I but but I don't want to break it to you, Sue. That eyesight doesn't get better with age. <laughs> I know right? it doesn't. Tell me about it. Now, oh, I'm just. I think there is something to be said. So, for example. A 2020 model, Hisense, yeah. 75-inch TV, $1,865 at JB Hi-Fi. But he won't even look at a Hisense. Why he not? Wants another pan- he wants another Panasonic like we've had for 14 years. Well, that's a bad investment because Panasonic aren't making TVs here in Australia anymore. Yeah. So he's looking at a Samsung now, I think. Look, I'm gonna. I want to give you the confidence, Sue, that I've been recommending TVs to people for a decade, and right. I have never had anyone tell me that they thought a Hisense, an LG, or a Samsung were bad. In fact, right. quite the opposite. the The reaction I get from people who buy a seventy uh, sorry sorry buy a Hisense TV is always. Oh, bloody hell, that's excellent. It's much better yeah. than I thought. Or most importantly, what great value, bang for your buck. That's yeah, what you get yeah. with, with a sense. I'm not suggesting yeah. you buy a F Falcon from JB Hi-Fi or something that's completely unknown. There are more sense TVs in Australia than any other. Okay. They sell more televisions than anyone else. Okay. All right. Now, that's because... They have TVs at all range of prices, and they do some great entry levels. But also, if we just talk 65-inch TVs, you can get a 2020 model 65-inch TV from Hisense for $1,255. But critically, to your husband's point, you can get a Samsung at $1,495 or an LG at $1,495. Now, he still get $4,000. What the hell is he spending $4,000 on? Because he thinks he's going to get the best. If he gets, he's looking at OLED. Ah, okay. The, he's talking the LG Q-Win. OLED then. Yes. Look, my goodness. Um, that's a lot of money to spend on a TV. Look, it's beautiful. I mean, if you can afford $3,995, then the 2020 model um, LG B series, B for Bob, right. is beautiful. Yeah. It is a beautiful okay. TV, and I'm on the record as saying it is the best picture quality you can buy. No doubt. Okay. Um, so that's the LG. LG OLED B-Series. B-Series. Yeah. Okay. Now, I remember a, it's, that. It's another 500 bucks for the next one up, which is the C-Series. Will you notice the difference? Probably not. Um, but if you are looking for a long-term investment, you know, and maybe it's not not a bad thing to, to spend even five hundred dollars more, but you're already at four grand, so it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to spend. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought when I see all these cheaper ones. Well, yeah. that's now I know. I'll, I'll be honest. Now I know why John 
wants a 65 because a 75 inch you, you, an OLED at 75 inches is eight and a half thousand dollars. So, oh, don't worry, he's looked at that one too. So that's a bit that's a bit crazy, right? That's that's silly money for a television. I think that the problem is that it's going to be my TV because we don't watch TV in the same room. He's got a fifty five that he watches, the Samsung, right, in the study because I won't watch the football, right. So he's not even going to use all, this one. All, sorry, he's not even going to watch this one. Probably not. Oh my gosh. Radio, it's official. It's official. Get, get a seventy-five inch high sense for one thousand okay. eight hundred dollars. I've just yeah. saved you twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, now we could go on a holiday if we could. Nah, forget the holiday. Stay at JB <laughs> Hi-Fi and and go tell him. Tell him he can buy a sound system for his TV. So for his current TV, he yeah. should, he should invest. In a really good sound system because that sport okay. will come to life when he can hear the 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 sport. He can he can hear the bumps of the players. It's I mean it really makes a different sound. So okay, come meet him halfway. You get a big yeah. screen high sense. He gets a great sound bar, and everyone's a winner. And you still haven't spent more than four grand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll go back and tell him all that. All right, and you tell him to get in touch with I- me. Okay. Yeah, so we, how do we get back in touch with you? Well, you, you can get me on the website again, EFTM.com. So I just go back on the website yep. and say, will you ring John and Bloody read oath. the Riot Act to you? Exactly. I am prepared to read that Riot Act, Sue. <laughs> Thank right. you, Trevor, because I want a big TV. Yeah, well, you. I mean, I happy wife, happy life, I say. So John's, yeah. John's riding right. Yeah, well, that's here. right. He, he realises that too. <laughs> All right, Sue, good luck and enjoy. <laughs> Thanks so much, Trevor. Yeah, no okay, worries. bye. And uh, that's, I mean, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because normally it's, you know, I just want to, got a budget, got a size. But here's, and I'm, that's, it's sexist for me to say this, but here's John saying he wants a smaller TV than Sue. Good on you, Sue. John, we're going to have words. <laughs> EFTM.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you've got a question, go to the website, eftm.com. G'day, Irene. Good morning, Trevor. How are you? Really well. How are you? I'm well, thanks. What's going on? How can I help? Can you just tell me, do I need to get any virus protection on a high-sense smart TV? You know what? That's a very good question because we, we do hammer home how important it is for every device to be connected. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have laptops, phones, computers? What have you got? I do. I have uh, all of those, and I've got to trend on. I've got a six uh, device protection. Yep. So I've got trend on on three laptops and um, an iPhone. I'm assuming they're not all yours. There's other people in the house over in. Two of right? the laptops and the iPhone are mine. The other laptops are the daughters. Right. So, um, look, the bottom line is there is no antivirus or internet security protection available to install on a TV. But if you were so inclined, there are devices you can get that will protect your whole network, right? So, Mm -hmm. actually, you know, your your TV getting a virus or something is is very unlikely. But potentially your TV being connected to the internet, like just the same with whether it's a smart camera or any other device, it could be kind of like the host of a, a potential problem on your network. So what there are things, and, and Trend Micro have a box called the Home Network Security. It's one box and it sits next to your modem and it essentially mm-hmm. provides a little block on on all the things coming into your network so that if there is anything um, nasty coming in, it will stop it coming into your house. Look, right. I it's about 300 bucks for that. It's a two-year subscription. For just a TV, oh, I don't think it's necessary, right? But right. If, you, if you had kids of you know very young ages going into teenage years, then that box also provides a protection for things like adult content, screen time, you know, limiting things like YouTube. There's a whole bunch of other things it does. Mm-hmm. But just in terms of protection for your smart TV, don't worry too much. Just turn it off when you're not using it. Oh well, I'm way past all the kid things, so. Yeah. Um um, uh, can I can I ask you another quick yeah. question? Thank you for that, Trevor. I I, I appreciate that. But mm. um, <clears throat> now, what was the other question I was going to ask? Oh, yeah, I think I did ask you this once before, but um, I keep getting 
uh, my emails. They they won't send from my iNet if I'm using anything but um, Firefox. Ah. If I use Microsoft Edge or Google Chrome, it just says it's an invalid email address. Right. And you're talking and, about like uh, a webmail. Yeah, you log into iOnet. Yes, webmail. Yeah, yeah. No, iOnet only works on Firefox. Only works with Firefox. I mean, I can get into the webmail with the others, but it, it won't let me send the emails. It says it's an invalid address. And, I mean, the contacts I've had for years. Oh, so it's like it's trying to verify the address. It hasn't. You haven't actually clicked send yet. It's within the browser that it's doing that. No, it's when I say send, yeah. it comes back in invalid address. Does it leave? Does it like go out as an email and come back as an email, or does it pop up no, saying invalid? It just comes. It pops up and yeah, says invalid. Yeah. Very interesting. Oh, look, I mean, have you tried Google Chrome as well? Like, is it literally yeah, just Firefox? Yeah. I've tried Google Chrome. Uh, Microsoft Edge, and the only one it'll work on is Firefox. Staggering. Can't answer it straight up, but let me do some tinkering and and, and checking and uh, and ask around to see whether we can find a way. I think one of the things you might want to do, and you can Google this, is um, how to how to reset your cache. C A C H E. Oh, yeah. So delete yeah. your cache. Uh, essentially, what I want you to do is like a factory reset on the browser. So if, <laughs> if, if, you, if you Google how to clear your browser cache, then there's instructions for each of them. I'd be very interested to know whether that has an impact, whether there's something saved within the browser that is causing you that problem. Um, so that, that would be my, my first port of call would be uh, clearing the cache. Okay? Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm a bit sad about that. No, but, no, yeah. no. Clearing the cache is like deleting your history. That's all. It's, okay. You know, it's it's not a big deal. Um, right. But don't do it in five. Because which one do you use most? Just for everyday use. Well, usually I use um, um, Edge. Okay. So so don't do it in Edge first, then, right? Just if you're a bit worried, just open up Google Chrome. Uh, yeah. Try the Ionet email thing. Make sure it hasn't been fixed. And then if if you get the error, then do the cache clearing. So change the setting, reset the settings, change the cache, clear the cache. Whatever options yeah. you can find for kind of wiping it out, and then try the iron it again. Because if that fixes it, then you go over to Edge and, and do the same thing. But if that doesn't fix it, that's not the problem. Right. So if I clear the cache, it doesn't uninstall it or anything. I'm no, not, I, I, I don't I think to... it would be. No, I don't think it's anything oh, to do with storage. Right. So I wouldn't have to reinstall the the web browser. I mean, oh, look, look. That's one of the other options is to delete the web browser and reinstall it. But I think oh, clear, I think clearing the cache would be just as effective. But these are things that you can try. Unfortunately, it's it's not going to be an easy process. But essentially, those are the things that I'd try. I'd clear the cache on Google Chrome. If that doesn't work, I'd delete Google Chrome and reinstall it. Just see which one right. you know helps. Yeah. All right. That All right. Sounds like a plan. No all worries. Right, Trevor. Okay. Thank Good on you. you. Thank you so much for your call. No problems, Irene. Good luck with it all. Thank you very much Thank for you. getting in touch. And if you've got a question like Irene, just go to the website. EFTM.com. This is the EFTM podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Leave a rating or a review if you're on iTunes and uh, tell your friends. So greatly appreciate it. Uh, lovely getting your emails. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. I try and get to as many as I can. I get a lot every week. Obviously, I don't talk to everyone every week. I do my best. That's all I can say. Um, appreciate you listening. And we'll be back again with another episode next week. School holidays, but we're getting through. I've got the kids for a couple of days each week. We're letting my wife try and get some work done. So um, any suggestions on what the hell I should do? I don't want to go on a holiday. I just want to go and do some fun stuff in Sydney. don't want to go to Melbourne. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Uh, talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.